0: Well, good morning, everybody, and it's really great, actually, to see so many of you here. I was thinking last night with the forecast that I was going to be talking to myself this morning, Um, but it actually is really nice to see you all. I to just move these out of the way. There's a lot of staff up here. Um, So we're thinking, aren't we, about following Jesus. And um, in my day job as a GP, um, I often get asked about balance, People ask me about balanced diet or maybe they don't ask me but I have to tell them about a balanced diet. People tell me about their work-life balance and how it's all out of sync or maybe we find out that that is the cause of their stress or depression. People sometimes have more obvious balance issues like the lady who staggers to one side when she walks or the man who's always falling over. All of these people have balance problems and uh, Balance is very important to us, isn't it? Living a balanced life is attractive. We want to have time for, for work and for play. We strive to eat a balanced diet and to exercise. We need time to rest. And already in this series, we've thought about working out of rest. Now, um, today we're going to follow Jesus to a new kind of balance. Now, last week, Simon spoke to us about the fact that religious people love rules, but that Jesus loves relationships. The dominant beat of Jesus' life was relationships, wasn't it? Uh, That's why we saw him at, at the party with Levi. That's why he came here in the first place. But the rules got in the way for the Pharisees, didn't they? They got in the way of the relationships, Uh, And I've been wondering this week, you know, what are the things that get in the way for me? What is it that's getting in the way of my important relationships? Is it time? Is it the fact that I'm so busy doing stuff that I don't have time for those really important relationships in my life, those people I should be investing in? I've been wondering what... What gets in my way? Is it a lack of energy? Am I so exhausted when I get home that I've got no energy to put into my relationships? I wonder what gets in the way for you. Is it work? Do you pour your life into work and you get home and you've got nothing left to give? I don't know if you saw this this week. I read something really heartbreaking. An Australian nurse spent uh, most of her career nursing people who were dying. And she's written a book that's called The Five Regrets of the Dying. And as she nursed people who were dying, she would talk to them and she often asked them, what was it that they regretted? Or was there something that they would have liked to have changed about the way that they lived? And there were five themes that kept coming up time and time again. And there are two themes particularly which relate to what we're thinking about this morning. The first theme is, and people would say, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Now, alarmingly, she says that every single male that she nursed expressed this regret. That's really shocking. They expressed that they'd missed the, their children's childhood and the companionship of their partners. That's really shocking, isn't it? The other regret that people often had was, I wish that I'd kept in touch with my friends. People who were dying seemed to realise the importance of friendship when it was a bit late, unfortunately. That's all really rather sobering to think about, isn't it? So what is it that gets in the way of our relationships? What gets in the way of yours? Is it something else? Is it fear? Are you scared because maybe you've been hurt in the past and you don't want to get too close? Is that what gets in your way? Is it this lack of energy that you, you just haven't got the energy left at the end of the day and you'd rather kind of slump in front of the television? Is it your addiction to social networking that's getting in the way of your relationships? Would you rather sit and fiddle with your phone than talk to the person at the table opposite you? I've been in restaurants, and I bet you have as well, where people are sitting opposite each other, texting, and not actually talking to each other. Is that getting in our way a little bit? Is it something else that's getting in your way? Now, we'll come back to these things a bit later, but it's worth saying, isn't it, at the beginning that we all find it really difficult to make relationships the priority that they should be. But Jesus wants us to follow him to a new focus on relationships and to a new kind of balance. And we're going to see that Jesus held three different sets of relationships in perfect balance throughout his life and ministry. And as we follow him, he wants us to do the same. So I want us to look at Luke 6 together, the passage that was read. You've got it. It would be great to open your Bibles. So verse 12 says, One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. So here we see Jesus doing what he did really often, going out to pray, spending time alone with God. Uh, He would often get up early, wouldn't he? We see it all through the Gospels. Sometimes he would spend the whole night praying. And it wasn't just when he was making those big decisions. He did it all the time. You see, Jesus got up. He didn't just physically get up. He understood that his upward relationship to his father was of supreme importance. Jesus needed that really close-up relationship with his father. And he calls us to do the same, doesn't he, in developing that relationship. He spells it out for us in uh, John chapter 5 when he talks about being the vine. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and me in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus says, without this strong upward relationship, actually, you can do nothing. So Jesus expressed an upward dimension in his relationships. Jesus also invited others in. Luke 6, verse 13 onwards says, when morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he designated apostles. So Jesus comes down from the night of prayer and called the 12 to him to be his apostles into kind of his first huddle. Mark uh, 3 puts it a little more clearly for us. It says, he appointed 12, designating them apostles that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. He appointed 12. 12 of them to be with him, to spend time with him, to learn from him, and to prepare them for action. Now remember, he was their rabbi, and all that that uh, meant being a rabbi, and how that he would teach them, he would show them how to live. So from the crowds all around him, he had 72 who he sent out on kingdom business, He had 12 closer to him. And then out of those 12, he actually picked three to have a really special relationship, didn't he? Peter, James and John. And of course, Jesus shared food with them. He shared his time with them. He met their families. He laughed with them. He just did life with his chosen circle. So Jesus had an inward dimension to his relationships. When morning came, he called his... Sorry, that's the wrong verse. Um, Jesus also reached out. He went down and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him, and he healed their diseases. So Jesus has got his up and his in relationships in perfect balance, but he also reached out he chose a team to work with him but he didn't stop there he reached out he walked amongst the crowds teaching them, feeding them, healing them reaching them at their point of need and his critics hated him for it he came to live among us, didn't he he reached out the whole point of him being here was to reach out so if this is how Jesus lived, with his upward relationship with his father, his inward relationship with the people closest to him, and his, and reaching out, all those relationships in balance, are we doing the same? Jesus calls us to follow him, doesn't he? And to do the same. So how balanced are we? So perfect balance means balancing all three of these relationships. How's your up relationship with God? Simon talked last week, didn't he, about getting rid of religion. And it's all about relationship. It's not about religious observance, is it? Our relationship with God is about relationship and not religion. Now, I was deeply impressed by those of you who last year managed to read the whole Bible using soap. I thought that was fantastic. Um, I have to confess that I didn't quite manage 100% like some of you did. In fact, I'm going to confess that I managed 40%. Um, Actually, do you know what? I wasn't that bothered about the 40%. In fact, I was quite pleased because last year I think I heard God speak more consistently than I ever have before. But do you know what? January the 1st came and I thought maybe I could do a bit better than that. Maybe I could, you know, try a bit harder. And do you know what? If I really tried really, really hard, I might even get 100% by the end of the year. Now, do you know what happened? Within a couple of weeks of getting into January, I found myself um, speed reading and skimming through the passages just so that I could tick them off my list, so that I could get a really good score. I could see my percentage kind of going up. (sighs) That's a bit ridiculous, really, isn't it? And do you know what else happened was that I stopped hearing God speak because I was just too busy ticking off my list to have time for him to speak to me. Now, I know he, wasn't, he didn't stop speaking. I was just too busy. I was religiously reading to increase my percentage score. Absolutely ridiculous, really. I'm not saying that discipling uh, discipling ourselves to um, read the Bible is a bad thing. Not at all. I think it's a fantastic thing. But for me, I so easily slip into religious observance, and that's not a good thing. So, how we feed our relationship with God is probably different for all of us. Um, Some of us will find that reading God's word is a really good way for us to hear God speaking. Now, some of us will find uh, time walking, praying outside or whatever with God really beneficial. And some of us find that, you know, remembering God in the day-to-day things is really great. We're all slightly different. Uh, Brother Lawrence, I don't know if you've heard of him, spent most of his life cooking and cleaning in a French monastery in the 17th century. And yet his letters were published as a book after his death, and it's called The Practice of the Presence of God. Now, he spent most of his time cooking and cleaning and mending sandals, actually, but he constantly disciplined himself to be mindful of God's presence with him and of God's love with him. And he offered everything that he did as worship to God. Of course, God is always with us, as Heather said this morning. It's but why is it that sometimes we act as if he's only here when we're in church or when we're at a prayer meeting or when we're in small group? He's actually with us all the time. I have found that kind of idea really helpful, helped me in my kind of mundane tasks to know that God is with me. And I build my relationship with him through that. Jesus asks us to follow him, to walk with him, not just to drop in for the occasional visit. He asks us to do life with him. And we have to seek after this intimacy with him. So the question might be how could I do that more each day? How could I seek a, an intimate relationship with Christ each day and through my day? I think it's quite simple, but it's difficult. Jesus is always there. We can invite him in to share our day with us. It's just kind of remembering to do that, isn't it? So perfect balance means we need a strong upward relationship. We need in-relationships as well. And we've talked about this quite a bit already in this series, haven't we? We've talked about those relationships that disciple us, who we are discipling and who who's discipling us. We've asked those kind of questions. I think there's a couple of things to add here. I think it's absolutely amazing, isn't it, that Jesus said that these inward relationships would be the way that others know that we are Christians. John 13 says, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, if the world doesn't know that you are a Christian, it begs the question, doesn't it? Why is that? At the very least, Jesus says, people should be able to look at the quality of our relationships and think, what's all that about? And we live in a world which is increasingly individualistic. People are often isolated. They're often isolated from their neighbours or their family or they're isolated at work. Uh, I often see people as a doctor whose main problem is loneliness. Somebody said that loneliness is epidemic proportions, and I would completely agree with that. We were made for community, weren't we? God said that. We know that. People know that deep down, and they're seeking after that. So maybe we should be able to show them that that's the case. The second thing I wanted to say was that please note... That Jesus actually showed favoritism. And he didn't seem to care that he might have been accused of being unfair. He chose and set apart 12, and from that 12, he chose three to have a really close relationship with. It's really okay to have those particular close relationships. We really need relationships and not acquaintances. We've got to learn somehow to do life together. Now, realistically, I can't do life with all of you. Not even the few of you who've made it here today. I might be able to know your name if I tried really hard, but I can't do life with all of you. There has to be a slightly smaller group of you that I can get to know much better. And there might be an even smaller group who know me intimately I'm a bit on a journey uh, of discovering what this doing life together means. Now, um, undoubtedly, I'm an extrovert. Now, what I mean by that is that I get my energy from being with people. Uh, if I'm left on my own for too long, I get a bit crazy or I get a bit grumpy uh, or I get really sapped of energy. And Adrian has learnt over the years, and he's still learning it, that if I'm in a bad mood, the worst thing he can do is leave me on my own, because I get worse. I need to have him to talk to. I need to talk it through. Now, as well as being an extrovert, rather strangely, I've been taught to be highly independent. My training has taught me to... uh, Be independent and strong and not ask for help. There's a culture in medicine, or there was at least when I was training, that says in order to survive, you have to protect yourself. You don't give anything away. You put up this barrier that says, I'm okay, I'm coping. And if you can't cope, you just have to hide it. Now, I know that this isn't good. And I know that it's done untold damage to me and to other people, probably. I actually find it quite hard to be um, really open and vulnerable... and I actually find it quite hard to ask for help. Um, I was alarmed this week as well to read about a study that was done of 500 GPs in Essex. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, This is very recent. They asked GPs questions, and of the 500 GPs they interviewed they found that 50% of them were emotionally exhausted. They also rather worryingly found that 40% of these 500 GPs were depersonalised. What that means is they've become cynical or detached from their patients. Now that's a bit of a worry. I'm hoping that the medical profession can snap itself out of this because it's dangerous The thing is, we've been taught in our culture to be strong and independent, when actually the truth is, we need each other, and we need to be able to be open. I need other people, and I'm learning that I need other people. I need other people in my team. I need need other people in my professional life. I need other people with me in church. I need team around me. I need community. I can't do this on my own. ...without having a nervous breakdown. We need each other, don't we, as we do missions together. We can't do it on our own. We need something called communitas... ...which is community that is born out of doing difficult things together. We need to be like a band of brothers together, working together. So the question is, what stops you from building deeper relationships... With each other in the church that express that love that others can see. Is it the culture? Have we learned to be too independent? Is it fear of, ex- uh, of rejection? Is it exhaustion? What is it? So, perfect balance needs up relationships, strong inward relationships, but it also needs intentional out relationships. So I suspect, well, you're all looking quite comfortable. Up to this point, you've been okay. You know, you can buy into the, yes, we need a a strong relationship with God. You could even agree with, we need stronger relationships between ourselves. Now, what I'm going to say next might be a little bit more uncomfortable. Or not. We need strong, intentional, out relationships. So what do I mean by that? I mean... Our relationships are those relationships we've built with people who aren't followers of Jesus. Our family, maybe, our friends, our neighbours, the people we come into contact with at work. All those people that we know who don't follow Jesus. Now, um, one of the problems might be that we're in danger of having a lot of superficial relationships but never having a relationship that's deep enough for the gospel to be spoken. Or maybe even worse, we actually haven't got any proper relationships with people who are outside the kingdom. Perhaps we're too busy uh, in church to build those intentional kingdom-building relationships. Maybe that's it. Now, Jesus calls us to build relationships. In this verse in Luke 10, he calls us to eat and drink with people. He calls us to be served by people. Now, that's a bit of a challenge. He calls us to serve other people. He calls us to proclaim the kingdom. What he certainly doesn't call us to do is to put on an event, he calls us to build relationships and not put on events. Now, one of the things we've been discovering as our missional communities are beginning to happen is that if we simply put on an out event, we're going to fail. It has to be about the relationships that are formed through whatever we do. Now, I'm going to pick on Messy Church because Heather's left, I think but she won't mind. If we put on messy church and we've got hundreds of people coming but no one formed a deeper relationship with anybody than that during that monthly event, then we will have failed and it won't be what Jesus is calling Heather to do. But imagine if we got just a few people coming who were invited personally by their friends and those relationships were deliberately nurtured, that would be wonderful. And I think that's what Jesus is calling Heather to do. And I suspect that if that were to happen, we would see fruit in that kind of missional community. Now, I've got the privilege of working with those of you who are beginning to dream about all things missional community. And the question that I keep asking, and I'm sometimes like a broken record, is how are you going to build relationships and not just put on an event? And I'm going to ask it again and again and again. And actually, I'm asking broader questions as well, Matt. I'm asking, how are you going to build your up relationships as a community? How are you going to build your in relationships as a community? And how are you going to build your out relationships as a community? You see, there needs to be a balance shot through everything that we do, or we're just going to do events. Now, in conversation with people, um, I think it's true to say that most of us have focused, the majority or almost all of our Christian lives, on our up and our in relationships, I've also noticed that those of us who tend to focus on our out relationships are a little bit irritating or a bit annoying sometimes. But you know what? Jesus calls us to follow him to a new kind of balance. So we need to have all three kinds of relationships in balance, don't we? Maybe we've made the mistake of focusing on two and missing out the third, but that's a bit of a recipe for disaster, Now, in September, I started to run... with my very lovely and fit friend, Heather Barrington. We um, went running three mornings a week. Now, to start with, we didn't get very far. Uh, It was quite hard work. And there was quite a lot of walking involved. But after a while, we were able to run for 25 minutes without stopping... and we even managed a few slight hills. Now, we were really enjoying this... Now, unfortunately, I was a little bit annoyed because my right ankle started to hurt. And I found that when I ran, my right ankle hurt. And then I found my right knee and my right hip hurt. And then I found when I stopped running, it didn't get better. And then I found, even after resting for weeks, it still hurt. I was really upset. And I hadn't run for weeks So having tried everything that I could, I eventually, a couple of weeks ago, went to see a physiotherapist, having followed all the advice I would give to anybody who came to see me with a bad ankle. Well, not really, anyway. So I went to see this physiotherapist. She took one look at me and said, no wonder you've been in so much pain. You are incredibly flat-footed. Your right foot is much worse than your left foot, and it's throwing your whole body off balance. Now, my hip and my knee are fundamentally okay. The problem was my ankle. Now, the answer, apparently, is to get some really lovely insoles, which I'm going to have to wear in all my shoes, to put me back into balance. Trying to strengthen my hip or my knee just wouldn't work. And actually, what I've got to do is deal with my dodgy foot in order to get me back into balance. So, how balanced are we? As a church, have we concentrated on up and in and let our out be weak? Um, Maybe in the past, as a church, we've thought, well, do you know, it's okay because corporately, as a church, we do out. Um, Maybe we've kind of thought we could take our friends to an out event and hand them over to a professional and let them get on with it, and that would be fine. Maybe we thought we could just kind of pass our friends on. Well, do you know, maybe now you're beginning to think, do you know that missional community thing? That's good. That's happening. Now, as a church, we're doing that. And that's our out as a body. Um, But what about you, personally? If you think about the out as a relationship, which is what we're thinking here, you can't delegate your relationships to somebody else. If evangelism is all about relationship and it's not an event, delegating your relationships to somebody else to take care of them seems a little bit ridiculous. You wouldn't say, would you, well, do you know what, I think Jack would be much better at having a relationship with my neighbour than I can, so I'm going to let him deal with that. You'd never say, you know, um, my brother's a a bit awkward and and I don't know somebody who'd be much better at being their sister than than I am. You, You just wouldn't do that. No, Jesus has given each of us relationships that he wants us to take responsibility for, and he calls us to develop them and redress the balance. So how balanced are you? Hang on. Oh, Oh no, my best slide has disappeared. <laughs> oh, that's really annoying. I had a lovely triangle with up in and out on, but never mind, it's disappeared. How balanced are you? How balanced are each of your relationships up, in and out? If you were to score yourself on a scale of 1 to 10 for each of them, what would your score be? So, I mean, if 10 was absolutely brilliant and one was pretty non-existent, what score would you give yourself for your connection with God over the last seven days? What score would you give yourself... For your relationships with other Christians, you're in relationships. Now, it's more than just how nice have I been to other Christians, and more of a how much have I been willing to be discipled this week, and how much have I discipled others? What score would you give yourself for that? And finally, how intentionally and focused have you been this week in reaching out to build? Out relationships. I wonder what your score would be for each of those. If you can't think about it now, I really challenge you to think about that later today. To think about those scores for up, in and out. Where's your weak spot? What is it that you need to concentrate on? What's God saying to you about it? So let's think what gets in the way of our relationships again, shall we? What gets in the way of your relationship with God? gets in the way of your relationships with others in the church? And what gets in the way of your relationships with those who don't follow Jesus? Now, if you're like most of us, uh, I think you'll be strong in two areas and weak in one. Uh, If you saw Simon's blog last night, there were pictures of him talking to a seminary in uh, Bucharest of those learning to be Baptist ministers. And one of the pictures shows Simon's lovely drawing on a a flip chart of this triangle up, in and out. And uh, the scores are very interesting. The scores that he's got the individuals to actually write on the triangle. And uh, most of the scores in the up and the in are about seven, eight, that kind of score. And the out relationships, they've scored themselves threes and fours. Now, I don't think that's unusual, actually... And in Huddle, we've done this a couple of times, and most of us find that our up and our in relationships probably score higher, and our out are a little on the weak side. So, what gets in the way, maybe, of you developing your out relationships? Could it be time? Could it even be church? Could it be fear? Could it be apathy? So Jesus wants us to get balanced and live like he did, seeking the lost. How are you going to make those relationships a priority? Could it mean that you've got to reorder your time a little bit? Or is it that you need to ask God, who is it that he wants you to build a relationship with? Or what attitude, maybe, do you need to repent of that's stopping you? Jesus simply wants you to build a relationship with another human being who needs to know how much God loves them. And your job is just to get close enough, close enough so that they can see the way you live, they can see the love that you have for your brothers and sisters in Christ, and close enough so that the gospel can be spoken of amongst you. It's really quite simple, but it's quite hard. It's as simple, isn't it, as eating and drinking with someone regularly. It's as simple as letting that person serve you as you share life together. It's as simple as serving that person in the area of need that you see as you listen to them. It's as simple as telling them the kingdom of God is near by telling them what God's done for you and what he's doing continues to do in your life. So let's seek to live a life that's all about relationships. And let's seek to live a life that's in balance, that balances these three types of relationships. And let's seek to follow Jesus. Shall we pray?